everyone. It is your host, Elijah Norris Holiday. Always grateful, always delighted to be on this show talking with you all about some issues that are happening within our community and also nationally, and also always making everything relevant to the ADOS community because this is the ADOS podcast. So I have with me Demetria Poe. Some of y'all may know her as she has been on a lot of the major media outlets over the last couple of weeks. I'm going to let you take over and introduce yourself. Well, I'm Demetria Poe. I am currently a kindergarten teacher in ICL School District, and I also am like the CEO, not like, but I am the CEO and founder for Scholar School LLC, which is a tutoring service um, that I offer virtually and in person. Tell us a little bit about Scholar School. Well, Scholar School um, started last year. I had um, some scholars in my class that still needed some help towards the end of the year, so I offered to their families for me to tutor them. Um, I really didn't do it for the money. I really wanted to like help them bridge that gap before they got to first grade. So then the mom started telling like her other friends about it, and then this year, I want to say in March, um, God had gave me my whole vision for Scholar School, but I had dragged my feet so long. It wasn't until July, July, that I filed for the LLC. So, and it's been popping. A lot of people have been enrolling their kids. So, how many clients do you have so far? Uh, twelve. So now, wow. yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's all God though. That's pretty impressive. Thank you. So now I'm trying to um get the platform to be fully virtual so that we can do groupings versus me, you know, spending more time doing in person. Cause with the schedule, I just don't have the time to do it. Right. And you can scale a lot faster when you do it that way. Right. Mm-hmm. You can have more clients. You can provide more services. Yep. Yeah. Makes sense. So you said you, God gave you your vision for scholar school. What has been your biggest hurdle or obstacle that you face right now with trying to get your business off the ground? Have you had any obstacles? It seemed like you just hopped right in and just been <laughs> successful. I don't know if I have any obstacles. I think my biggest obstacle uh, obstacle is fear. Just like, oh, probably waiting for certain things to happen or feeling like it's not the time to do certain stuff. But I've just been like pushing forward and just really just trying. And if I fail, I fail. But right now it's been very successful. Wow. That's impressive. That's impressive. So most Thank of you. your clients are also students of yours, or it just started off that way and now you're getting clients from everywhere? Um, so the clients I have now are not current um, um, current scholars at ICO. I can't currently do that. I cannot solicit work from my kids, but I do have a few that were my scholars from kindergarten two years ago, um, but everybody else has been like word of mouth, uh, references. That's why you really need like a good network of friends that speak on you of you in um rooms and stuff because i got a girlfriend named portia and she been telling everybody about scholar school and then my friend Naomi. so a lot of people have been just hearing it from other people saying in my friend Devin. so a lot of my clients have just been references awesome awesome what made you want to go into teaching oh <laughs> i didn't want to do that <laughs> I did want to do teaching. I always had a desire to um, teach kids, and I was the oldest of 16. So I'm just, I don't know, I just had this natural gift for teaching, but I, like, 
pushed away from it when I was in high school because I'm like, nah, teaching isn't glamorous. You don't get paid like that. I want to be. I wanted the doctor title. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted the money. So I was just like, no. But it was definitely a gift from God. And then when I got into college, um, my freshman year, and we were like enrolling in classes, like I just had to really fall into my gift. So yeah. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, some of the things that you're doing recently. Mm-hmm. So you've been on some major media outlets. You're featured in the New York Times, Washington Post, The Hill, KTSP. Um, they did mm-hmm. a, a feature on you. I think Fox 9. Mm-hmm. Is it CNN also reached out to you, I think I heard you say? Uh, CNN reached out, but we have not done the interview. Oh, so so no yet. follow-up yet, but they did reach out to you? Yep. Wow. Impressive. So Thanks. tell me, how, how has that experience been? <laughs> That experience has been a blessing. Um, I just, I don't know. I just didn't expect it to blow up. I talk my stuff on Facebook all the time, and I make my posts, and I get off and stuff, but I really did not expect that post to go viral. And even when it did go viral on my page, I didn't expect it to go, like, like around the world. Like, I have articles in um, Nigeria, um, India, Liberia I've seen, Japan, like all these different countries have my name. Okay, you feel me? <laughs> Out there. And you just woke up one day. So you, we'll, we'll talk about the experience, but, you know, after all that happened, you made your Facebook post mm-hmm. and you went to sleep and you woke up the <laughs> next day and you're like, oh, my gosh, this was shared 4,000 times. Not People even. from Japan are in your inbox now. I think with the original post on my page, that had got viral, like, real quick. I was like, oh, dang, people sharing it? I'm like, oh, snap. So I went to bed, woke up. I'm like, dang, my share is going up. Like, what's going on? So I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. Then when um, the news people started reaching out and after um, U.S. Today dropped theirs, after that it was, like, just fire. Mm. fire was just lit everybody was calling me everybody was inboxing me or finding my email finding my cell phone number <laughs> that was crazy people finding my cell phone number my instagram my facebook it has been very positive though just coming some, from all over the place though yeah some negative some some people been trying it with this online stuff well well we'll, we'll save that for when we get into the story <laughs> so so kind of a, a overnight uh Climb the fame um, from an unfortunate <laughs> event, really, honestly, right? I mean, yeah. let, let's talk a little bit about the event. So, you know, just walk us through what happened. Okay, so check it. I was minding my business. I, I had got on a um, like a 7 a.m. flight, so I was already tired and I was running late. I wonder why. I, I was just running late. So um, I get on the flight and um, the flight attendant said... Um, that they can't help us because of COVID, so they couldn't help us with our bags and stuff. Like, you know, pretty much put yourself in the overhead bins by yourself. And this older white lady um, was, like, struggling to put her bag up over the overhead, so Mm -hmm. I just helped her. Her and um, another passenger helped her as well, um, who was black as well. And I just sat down, and she sat down, um, like, right in the same row with me and then got up and went, I guess to the bathroom because that's the only place you could go in the back Mm -hmm. of the plane. And when she came back, she had a pin that was like um, an American flag on one side and a Blue Lives Matter flag joined. She had it on her left-hand side for me to see. Mm -hmm. 
from where I was sitting, and then she took her American flag mask and flipped it, and it was a Blue Lives Matter a Blue Lives Matter mask, and she put it on, and I peeped it all. I'm like, mm, okay, cool. But I was like, I just helped this lady, and she over here got a Blue Lives Matter mask, and I had put it on my snap. But the, but was that was that the point where you were like? So what was your reaction when she flipped the mask to the Blue Lives Matter? Was like was I was like, like that was unnecessary. She okay. could have just kept her American flag mask and kept it pushing. First off, but I you don't, still didn't say anything to her at that point. Nah, okay. I didn't say anything to her. Nope, because if she want to flip her mask and have Corona on the other side, that's her business. <laughs> so she um, she starts to, like, so I'm looking this way, but I can feel her looking at me. Mm-hmm. So I'm just pretending like I'm on my phone, just waiting for us to take off. And she um, first starts the conversation off like, oh, I didn't know churches made masks. Because my mask was a black mask that said Evolve Church. And I said, yeah, they make masks. And she was like, oh, where's that church? And I'm like... It's in Milwaukee. And she was like, okay. And she was like, well, my, um, this is my mask, and I wear it in support of um, the police officers. Um, and then she said, like, Blue Lives Matter or something like that. And I was just like, okay. And I, I just turned to her, and I was like, when you say Blue Lives Matter, that's very offensive because that whole statement only came out of when black people started saying, like, okay, we do not – appreciate and we do we're not going to stand for the discrimination of just racial injustice and the police brutality of our men our children our women so to say blue lives matter is just a slap in the face and at the end of the day a blue life doesn't exist like the lives of the officers exist and they do matter I have officers in my family as well and they're black but that is an occupation to be a police officer. Like, my occupation is a teacher. But when she met me, she didn't know I was a PhD candidate. She doesn't know that I own a business. She didn't know that I was a teacher. She didn't know any of these things. She didn't know my background. But one thing she did know was that I was black. And one thing I feel like she did know is that me being black and her saying she supports the cops were was going to, in one way, shape, or form, irritate me or be a problem for me because she could have just sat there with her with her American mask and just mind her business. Mm. So so at what point did the situation escalate? Well, it never escalated for me, but it escalated for those around me. Um, so she continued. So after when I explained about the blue lives and stuff, mm-hmm. she said like, well, I just want to point this out that, you know, America is the best place for black people, and honestly, the only reason why you're here is because Afri- uh, West Africans sold the most slaves. And I'm like, well, you cannot compare regular slavery to chateau slavery. Like, it's two different, it's a, a, it's a difference. And both are wrong, but it's a complete difference from this is a, a casualty or this is a consequence of war versus we just gonna monopolize the whole world and do this and bring everybody from one not even tribe to tribe, but one continent to a whole nother continent. And enslave their entire generations and, after that. I mean, that's the thing about chattel slavery yeah. is that it doesn't end. There's no end to it. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you're in chattel slavery, mm-hmm. your children's children's children will be slaves. Yep. Which is different than the different types of historical slavery that mm-hmm. we've seen when you've enslaved or your your tribe uh, gets defeated by another tribe, mm-hmm. and they take in your people, enslave that first generation, and even then, they even offer them to 
integrate into their society, right? Mm-hmm. And then to marry into that family. And now they're a part of that tribe now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's different than what we're talking about. Yep. <laughs> so she just made that statement. And she also said that, you know, America's the best place for anybody, especially black people, because they can pull themselves up by their bootstraps. I had to explain how we don't even have boots. Um, we got to go buy the boots ourselves. But she made a lot of comments. So I did ask her. I was like, okay, so with, with this context, because she just kept comparing experiences as if um, I had the same privileges as her. And I'm like, well, you seem about my grandmother's age. Have you ever had to get food from the back of a building? Have you ever had to pick um, cotton? Have you ever had a, a mother or a father or a grandfather born on a plantation or still live in the plantation? Like, have you had these disadvantages because of your skin? No, I haven't. But I just feel that, you know, a lot of people need to understand um, that racism, and she did make the comment that racism is a facade. I don't know. The lady was ignorant, to say the least. Um, and the people... In front and behind me, started to curse at her and like ask her. And were these other black people, white? Not to make it so, about race, but I just want to kind of get a better understanding of the demographics of the people who are watching this. So in front of me was a white woman. Okay. And she definitely went in. She turned. She turned around and got out her seat. Like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Just went in on her. And then um, the people like two rows behind me were. Um, a black family, and then across from us was a black family. Um, And then the row right behind me was a white family. So when that started to, like, get very, like, um, just hyped up and lit, the flight attendants came over and Mm -hmm. asked, like, if... Well, before they they saw the discomfort, and um, the flight attendant, Rachel, had asked discomfort for you? Yeah, for me. So uh, Rachel just was like... She just kind of like asked me if I was okay from and a Rachel distance. And Rachel is a flight attendant. I'm just yeah, want to make flight, sure everyone's following. Yeah, flight, flight attendant, attendant okay. of Delta. And I was like, no, I'm okay because I was having a conversation. Um, and then when it got lit and she started saying all this crazy stuff about slavery and about the black experience, um, they were just two of them. So Rachel and I don't remember the other flight attendant's name, but they both came over and it was like, is everything okay? They asked, they addressed me and asked me if everything was okay, if I was okay offered to move her and I said no it was fine because at that point I'm just like look I just want to get off this flight <laughs> I want to go to my march I want to go to my you're, march you're flying to DC to participate in the, the, oh, the yeah. march, march right yeah the okay. commitment march yeah. so I'm just like I just want to get to where I need to go and I was super tired so I'm like I just I don't know I was I was at peace enough to know that um I knew I was safe but I also knew like it's always an instance where things can go left for us even when we're not in the wrong. So I'm like, I don't want to make it a bigger deal at all. I just want to get off this flight. So And isn't that unfortunate, not to cut you off, but mm-hmm. isn't that unfortunate about being black in America? It's like you kind of have to get used to being abused. Yep. You know, it's like you can't speak out and say anything about it because you're afraid that people are going to feel like it's your fault or mm-hmm. you did something to incite the abuse. Yeah, right? <laughs> like or I did something to just hype it up more. And then just being a black woman, that stereotype that I'm angry or I over exaggerate, it's just like draining. Even when she purposely started this conversation and tried to drag it on. Now, when the white lady cussed her out, the old lady. The lady in front cussed the, my passenger out 
or whatever, whatever she was. Cussed her out. She took out her Sudoku and shut her mouth for the rest of the flight. And she didn't say anything else. And when she needed to get help with her bags, ain't none of us help her. She had to figure it out herself. Like, that was that. Um, but once she got off the flight, they the flight attendants pulled me aside. And they also um, just asked me, like, what happened? Was I okay? Mm-hmm. I explained to them what she said, what they were doing. They was like, um, we want you to know that us as, like, people do not go for this like discrimination and stuff and neither does delta and we're going to actually handle this so i'm like okay thank you so they walked me to baggage claim as we were talking and stuff and they was just like no that's not cool like rachel pulled out her phone she was like what seat were you in um because that wasn't originally my seat like where i had sat i always like to sit by the window where i sat was her seat or something like that like I was supposed to be in the middle, but because Delta's doing that whole like flip, social distance thing, yeah. And yeah. Mm-hmm. So I had ended up having a new seat. So they was just like, "Okay, we got your seat. We got her. It's like she's not gonna fly no more." And I just went about my day. I'm like, "Okay, that was crazy. I just took it as that was crazy." How long was the flight? Uh, I want to say the, from Minneapolis to DC. I think it's like four hours. So four hours of being in just pure discomfort yep and i just was like wow. i just want my juice <laughs> and these stale cookies just, no they're not stale but those little graham crackers and i just wanted to get off my flight so when they said that i'm like okay whatever they said that i handle it i didn't go back to delta i didn't check in with anybody i really kind of forgot about it until i was getting on my well i didn't forget about it but i let it go so when um, we got on our flight to go back from D.C. to Minneapolis, um, my ticket had showed that I had got upgraded to business class. Mm-hmm. But I just thought that was God. And it still is God. But I was like, oh, snap, they made a mistake. And I'm not going to tell nobody. Because <laughs> I had bought my granny's um, flight and my aunt's flight. So I'm like, they You're probably. You're already in like 1500s. And you flew them first class, right? Or business class? You business class, both ways. Yeah. So you're like, oh, I'm going to take this blessing. I'm like, I would just take this one because I have, bro, basic for that conversation I had. So I'm like, oh, so I get some luxury. Okay, cool. I ain't going to say nothing. And I'm just sitting in the row by myself, by the window. And the flight attendant comes up and she said, hi, are you Miss Poe? And I'm like, yeah. like yeah." I'm I would have said Poe. it depends. And yeah, I was thinking that. I was like, yeah, she had this big old red bag. And I'm like, what? What is this? So, you know, my grandma taught me good manners. I read the card. And it was like, Delta said, like, they apologized for the experience that I had on the flight on the way to, to D.C. from Minneapolis and that they handled it and all that stuff. And I had um, got my Delta Black Lives Matter pin that only Delta staff has. So, no, you cannot buy it. does not matter if you got Jay-Z money. You can't buy it. But I got it. And I got a Delta journal, Delta pen, a Delta um, business card holder, which I really need. Um, Yeah, it was just really thoughtful. I'm like, dang, like, y'all, that's really nice. Like, that's lit. And then they also let me know, like, she's off of their flying, approved flying list. And I'm like, dang, like, that was 
very major for a major company to make that statement because honestly, a lot of these well, major Delta companies, is like the major airline. Like when yeah, you think I don't of fly nothing else. yeah, but Delta exactly. I mean, a lot of people just fly Delta. I mean, right. the other ones are you know significant, but I mean Delta. I don't huge. fly before this. I did not fly nothing else but Delta. I didn't care how much I had to pay. Like I was not. I'm so for the convenience, safety, and comfort. Mm-hmm. So after you know this incident, I'm like, okay, now y'all really gonna have my money now. <laughs> Because now I know that me and my people can fly safely. Like, and if it is a situation, you're going to, you know, give a consequence to the person who is uh, at fault. So I really like that. And then, you know, Delta commented on my page. And this is on the Facebook post that went viral. They commented on my Facebook post. They was like, they said, um, when we say you matter, we mean, um, when we say black lives matter, we mean that. And you mean, um, and you matter to us, Demetrius. So I was like, "How sweet!" That's what I said. And Delta can still make me a brand ambassador, or <laughs> I have a good idea, a very great idea that's gonna make them money and make me some money, or at least give me some exposure if they put me on. But they gotta call me first, or set up a meeting so mm. I can present. I'll call them if they give me the number. Like. <laughs> That's good. So after all of this happened, you started getting these phone calls and emails from these different yeah. news reporters wanting to do a um, a story on you. Yeah. Um, out of all those stories that you've done, which one for you has, has been the, the most exciting or the one that you're like most proud of? Is I, there any particular channel that you're like, oh, I always wanted to do a story with that channel before? Well, one, Good Morning America. Um, they had grabbed it right away and had put me on there. They didn't call me, but they did put it on there. So I don't know if that's plagiarism. <laughs> but they did. And this is your on. Facebook post, right? I'm sure they had screenshotted yep. it or and whatever. They, and they talked about it um, okay. during Good Morning America. And that's special because me and my grandma, when I did live with my granny, used to watch it every morning because it comes on at like 6 or 7 until like 8 o'clock. So that was really nice. But also, like, KSTP, because I used to live right next to the studio um, when I was in undergrad. And I used to always tell my friend, like, oh, dang, one of these days, I'm going to be all over the news, and it's going to be for some great stuff. And even though this was, like, a negative situation, God turned it for my good. Um, But I know this isn't going to be the last time that I blow up in this case. I mean, this is just like a preview to the world of my name, but they haven't even gotten a taste of my true impact. Amazing. Amazing. So you still have a lot of purpose to step into. Oh yeah. Amazing. This was this was just for y'all to just see like, oh that's Demetria. A person who shows grace, who's patient, mm-hmm. who's forgiving. Yeah. <laughs> I'm forgiving, I think. That's I good. think so. That's good. A lot of people probably would have reacted a lot differently. <laughs> I can't say how I would react. No, I'm a sweet person. I probably would just ignore the lady and just chalk it up to her old age. But you know, nah. you can't you can't chi- change the mindset of, of everyone. You know, That's true. especially with folks who are older than us who went through that time mm-hmm. of Jim Crow and segregation. Yeah, and they just you know that type of hatred and racism is embedded in them, yeah. right? And People ask me all the time, like, how do you deal with it? Like, mm-hmm. just interacting with folks on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. And I experience it as well. And it's just you have to show grace with people. Mm-hmm. You have to be patient and you have to be someone who's understanding. And it takes a lot. It does. That's all just the fruits of the spirit. Because, honestly, I did not want to respond um, 
but God was just pulling me. Like, this had to be the first time in a very long time where he was pulling me to respond to a situation that I just did not want to interact with. And that's how I was able to have that that grace, that peace, and just that patience, and also just being a teacher in ASEO. Like, I have dealt with teachers playing in my face, like, really disrespecting me and making very, like, discriminatory, like, statements about the scholars or about me or about my teaching style and stuff because it's not of the norm. Um, so I have always had to stick up for myself and speak for our people in a graceful way and not allow my anger to take away from the message. So I guess that also was like a part of like my training. So I guess all them conversations and all the stuff I went through, especially last year with my teachers <laughs> helped for this one moment. Definitely prepared you to be in this moment for sure. For sure. Let's talk a little bit about the negative things. You said there were some, some negative comments and things coming in your inbox. You want to talk to us a little bit about that? Oh, I know I had some death threats. Um, those really? don't worry me. Yeah, those don't worry me. Um, and I have had someone call me an N-word. Multiple people have called me an N-word. Um, most of them I don't respond. No, the negative ones I have not responded to. I only responded to one where a woman tried to use um, Christ against me. So she tried to say, like, do you really think that um, the woman was being defensive or was it something you said or how could you have shown her God and taught her God? And I'm like, the one thing I showed her was God by showing her the fruits of my spirit, by showing her patience, by giving her love when she was obviously trying to show hate, by by helping her before I even knew that she was a, a, a Blue Lives Matter person, even after that conversation, not doing anything out of anger, not seeking any punishment of her either like the book says be angry but but sin not not. and sometimes that sin not part be hard but (laughs) even the fact that i was able to forgive her and kind of like black out that whole incident was like showing god completely but yeah i have had men and women come into my inbox mostly men and say the n-word and say i should um i'm a burn in hell and how um they're gonna kill me and no um, kidding. People have said they're going to kill you over this. Yep. And that blue lives matter. Um, I had somebody say, I don't deserve to teach their white kids. Um, I need to be teaching only the monkeys and I need to go back to Africa. It's been a lot of like just random, just people going out of their way to make comments. And also these people cannot spell. <laughs> so my kindergartners spell better than they do. Um, so they can sit in my class and actually learn some sight words and some grammar and some phonics if they need it. Um, I will still charge them. I might charge them more because they call me the N-word. But but you'll still teach them. But I will still teach them. I think everybody deserves a fair education, equitable education. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so when you're receiving these death threats and you're reading these things, would they ever make you scared or afraid for your life? I mean, you know, you, you are out in the community. I do see <laughs> you at protests. And yeah. <laughs> I know you show up and you occupy space for mm-hmm. the right reasons. And you're a very engaged teacher and you're mm-hmm. always out. Do you ever fear for your life at all? Um, No, because the Bible says that uh, weapons may form, but they can't prosper. And I mean, if anybody was to kill me, that would just be the devil. Um, I'm not really fearful because 
honestly, a lot of these people, even that woman in that moment, didn't know who I was and whose I was. Like, I'm a child of God. So when you do something to me, it's not me who's going to touch you. I can't touch your soul. But when God comes after you because you have touched me, it's a whole different thing. So I just pray for those people because, honestly, you don't even know that when you try to stump me down or try to bury me with all these negative things, it doesn't phase me because I'm a seed. And seeds grow regardless of where they are. So... Ah, they just gonna have to keep seeing me grow everywhere. Then that's just on them. And so this is not this is not gonna stop you. That the, the hate comments. No, that just shows me I'm on the right path. Like if you if I'm at the point that I'm getting death threats, I'm like, oh, I done made it. I done <laughs> made some impact. Like the girl from Milwaukee who everybody counted out done made so much of an impact that people all around the world is saying they're going to kill her. Like one person put it in Spanish and I had to translate it. And I'm like, no whoa. Way. I'm like, whoa. Are you serious? Yeah, I had to translate it in Google. Because I thought it was just a nice, like, oh, thank right. you. Because most of them, nine times out of ten. They're nice I'm comments. Re- yes, okay. nice ones. Good. So it's not just your, your, yeah. your entire inbox isn't filled with no, death threats. Majority I, of it is. Thank you, Demetria, yep. for standing up and speaking How out against racism you? and hate. I want to support you yep. in your journey. And then you got that one speaker in every once in a while. I was like, yep. I hate you. It's like, well, <laughs> so far I have had 12, like, negative inboxes. And, like, probably four death threats. Wow. That's not too bad. You know? It's not too bad. It's not too bad. <laughs> I, I, I think one is too many, but I think one is at, too many. But you know, if we want to have a, a conversation about where we're at as far as a group of people, I think we're slowly losing our humanity yeah. and grace and love for one another. Mm-hmm. And I know you, you read the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm stepping into reading the Bible a lot more too. And the, the book of Revelations actually talks about this, that people are going to be selfish. They're going to mm-hmm. be self-centered. Um, yep. They're going to be out love for themselves. Exactly. Um, they're going to commit heinous crimes yep. and they're not going to think that there's anything wrong with it. And all of that is unfolding and playing out in front of us. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's unfortunate that we're reaching that point in society right now where we just can't love one another. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I I try not to be pessimistic, right? I mm-hmm. try not to be, but I do a lot of reading. I yeah. have a lot of conversations with my professors, mm-hmm. especially ones who specialize in human nature, politics, and violence, yeah. um, those types of studies, um, human psychology. And all of us have agreed that this is a part of the human psyche. It is. I violence mean. is a part of the human psyche. Group thinking is a part of the human psyche. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really, it's an innate to us. It's actually, we have to fight against it. Yeah. <laughs> the Bible says that your flesh and spirit are always going to be in conflict. It's whatever one you feed that has more power. But yeah, evil and good is always going to be here. It's always going to, that's going to be a common thing until God just destroys the whole world. So that's. Us striving for all love, all, that's a utopia that we're never going to get. That's That's been gone since they had the forbidden fruit. Mm. So that's over. Can you name a period in time where there's been peace and no hatred? To your knowledge, of course. Before the forbidden fruit. <laughs> wow. Before that. Um, I mean, we have peaceful times, but... That one moment usually gets outshadowed by the negative time. So I don't know. We all just have to find our own peace in our own lives, our own happiness. Our, and that just comes from living in your purpose. And the more people live in their purpose, 
it will be more of a consensus of love and peace because you start looking at things like I have too much to lose to do this or to do that. I'm walking on my purpose. I don't have time for this or that. But yeah, the people in my inbox got way too much time. Those that are negative have way too much time and obviously no purpose. Yeah, I completely agree. So I've read some of your articles and I noticed that a lot of those articles haven't talked about your business, which Mm-mm. to me seems like it's been pretty successful. I mean, you mm-hmm. have 12 solid clients. Mm-hmm. Um, you just started, you said, officially in July. It's yep. only September. Yep. So that's what, two months, three mm-hmm. months? Yep. I mean, why haven't you think they highlighted that? Like, I you know, you're know. a black business owner, you're a teacher, you're a PhD candidate. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think they talked about any of those things. No, it keeps getting cut out, and I just be like, oh, Lord. It even gets cut out in the um, title, and I I don't know. I try not to uh, be offended, and I'm just taking it as like, okay, God, I see they're not highlighting that. My time will come when that will be like a a highlight or – where people would speak of scholar school and already know my name and I won't have to, like, you know, advertise it or promote it. Um, as of right now, I feel like everybody's just on this train of, oh, let's just hear what Delta has to say and let's all be a part of talking about this good moment and that's cool and all. But they is some people, some of these articles are not really concerned about me as a person. They just want, you know, the permission for the photo and just to have their article and get their views up because they, they're still a business. So if you you got the hottest topic out and it's trending and my name is trending, oh, yeah, of course I'm going to put her in the article. I really don't care about her business. I, I only care about what the hot topic is, and it is Delta right now. So that's cool or whatever because my business was given to me by God, so it's going to flourish regardless. Amazing. Absolutely. Do you think um, that the media has taken this story because <laughs> it's a about race yes b it's a trending topic and you know that's just going to make it popular mm-hmm. and c it's going to make them money i think it's a mixture of all i feel like in the times that we are with the racial tensions which has always been here but i feel like this particular summer especially after the killing of george floyd like it's been so many negative stories just back to back to back to back to mm-hmm. back, especially just now with Jacob Blake. So it's like mm. for me to go to the commitment march for this particular reason for George Floyd and we're fighting for all these other people who have been killed by police brutality. And still haven't gotten justice, yep. by the way. No justice. So it's like, it's like that mixed with, you know, Blue Lives Matter has became this trending thing. Um and it's just like it's just a hot topic right now, and it does make money to talk about what's hot. So, well, you know, the funny thing about justice and Huey P. Newton said this, and I don't know if he was the originator, mm-hmm. but they say when you're out there searching for justice, the only thing that you're gonna find that it is just us. Us. And um, I heard that when I was a young boy. I must have been nine mm-hmm. years old when my grandmother was putting me on game to Huey mm-hmm. P. Newton and the Black Panther Party. She so, sound amazing. Oh, 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 for sure. My my grandmother is. Uh, a very well-educated woman, um, loves being black. She lets you know that that's the yeah. first. When you meet her, that's the first thing she say. Um, she's proud of it, and she literally instilled that proudness in me. I'm proud to be black. Um, I, I, you know, like you said earlier, when I walk into a room, you don't know that I'm a 
a, a master's or a graduate student. You don't know Period. that I own multiple businesses and I own stake in other businesses. You don't know that I'm in the community actually doing work on the ground. Mm-hmm. You don't know any of these things about me, but you do know that I'm black, right. <laughs> you know, so we have to embrace that. And I think the media, to go back to your point you just made, I went off on that tangent, but the, the, the media, honestly, I think they have just been kind of keep on kicking this can down the street when it comes to racism. Like yep. that's how they that's how they thrive. Mm-hmm. That's how they live. I mean, even our current political system, right? Mm-hmm. We have to have something for people to fear. That's the number one control tactic is fear. If I can yeah. get you to fear something, I'll have control you over your control mind. Me. Yep. So then when we introduce this different alternative narrative that says blue lives matter, mm-hmm. that automatically combats black lives matter. And some people don't understand that, right? Mm-hmm. Because we can still care about police lives. Yeah. I care about police lives. Yeah, I don't want them to be all shot up and beat up. You, you know, they do that to us. Exactly. But we care about everyone's lives because we're all humans. Mm-hmm. But when you come to me and I say black lives matter and your rebuttal is blue lives matter, then automatically right there, you're creating division. Somebody made a good analogy about a house being burned down um, in a neighborhood. And if your house was burned down and I walked up to you and was like, oh, uh, your house is burning, and they'd be like, yeah, I'm super sad. And they'd be like, oh, well, all houses burn down. Like, bro, but right now, my house is the one on fire. So I really like that analogy because it is stating, like, we're not saying all other lives doesn't matter, but we're saying if this is fact, that all lives matter, then black lives should definitely matter, and we should not constantly have this conversation of trying to justify a cop doing anything that causes the death of any human especially black men and black children and black women. That should never be a case. Because every time a black person is killed, the first thing they want to pull is their kindergarten uh, detention slip. Like, what does that have to do? That's 1999. He stole a candy bar when he was in fifth grade. In fifth grade, and his mom and dad wasn't there. Like, okay, but yet when somebody blatantly is walking with an AK, a assault rifle, at 17 years old without his parents in a, across state lines by himself, no one says, oh, his mother is unfit, his father is unfit, or... Y'all should pull out his records of how many times he got into detention. It's like, it's the same. The, the it's just it's just devastating to watch our country constantly do this. But when they don't believe in our humanity, then it's never going to be a, a sense of understanding why Black Lives Matter, and especially if blackness is always always going to be us and who we are. We're always going to be armed because our blackness is our weapon to mm. them. So we're always a threat. We're always armed. Now, do you think it's the country? And when you say country, I'm assuming you mean the people in the country. Do you think it's them that's continuously, um, I guess, adding fuel to the fire of racism? Or do you think it's the media? Or do you think it's both? Both. I feel like it's both. Like the country started off its beliefs all the way back when we had three-fourths. The media just takes... I mean, you got to go back further than that. I mean, you got to go back to 1619 when the yeah, white when lion arra- or, or, or arrived in Virginia. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a, the first group of slaves in mm-hmm. this country was in 1619. Um, 20 slaves stepped off the white lion ship. And then right. from there, we entered into a period of 250 years of chattel slavery. Right. 
And it's stuff like that. So it's just like when they have that mindset and then you raise your children to have this mindset and then they become adults and they raise their children. It's just a generational mindset that, one, is demonic, and two, just is sick. Because if the roles were reversed, nobody would want to be in the place of a black man or woman or child. So I oftentimes say the problem is not with the institution. The problem is actually with the mindsets of the people within such institution. And I always give an example. I say slavery. I say we abolished the institution of slavery, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. Through the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment, we said so it's what? no longer accepted. So what? Yeah, well, let's just say we have the new Jim Crow. Exactly. And then we also have slavery by another name. It's called the prison industrial complex. Yep. But let's, for the sake of my, my example yep. here, let's <laughs> just say that we abolished the institution of slavery. Okay. Chattel slavery is abolished. We failed to abolish the mindsets of the people who mm-hmm. allowed slavery to exist. Right. And then such, we moved into a period after slavery called mm-hmm. Jim Crow. Yep. Segregation. Yep. That was slavery by a different name. Yep. So we can dismantle the institution. We can say, all right, we're going to dismantle all the police systems in this country. Mm-hmm. But if we don't, if we don't change the mindsets of those of the people right. who think it's okay to put their knee on a man's neck for eight minutes and forty six seconds, it doesn't matter what you call it. Right. We're still going to have injustice. We're still going to have discrimination. We're still going to have disparity. Mm-hmm. So when I say it's not the institution, it's the people. People look at me and say, "Whoa, what do you mean by that?" <laughs> no, nah, I definitely agree. <laughs> What do you mean it's not the institution? You must be a Trump supporter. You don't want to dismantle the police. You don't want to abolish the police. You're a Trump supporter. And I'm like, no, I'm rational. You don't I'm, want to abolish the police? I don't want to abolish the police. And maybe I can have you come on. We could talk about that at, at a later time because I feel like we can have a, a two-hour conversation. I don't want to abolish the police. I think we need I to reappropriate back. the police. Yep. I think we need to figure out how to strategically move funds within the police department. Like y'all do teachers because to... Y'all take funds from us all the time, okay? I just want to put that plug out there. So this has been a great conversation. Thank you. I'm hesitant to call it an interview because I feel like we're just <laughs> kind of going back and forth, and I don't set my show up like an interview style. Period. I just like to get to know people and have a free-flowing conversation. So thank I you, you for... I you to know me a little bit more. Yes, I did. Uh, thank you for coming on uh, last minute. I called Demetria a few hours before the podcast, <laughs> and she was available. So thank you for being flexible with me. Is there anything else that you want to leave our audience with before we call it a good night? I don't know. I just hope they all pray and read their Bible tonight. That's some good advice. Pray and read your Bibles. Try to get close to God. And if it's not the Bible, read the Quran or the Torah or whatever religion you practice or whatever mm-hmm. faith you believe in. But it's a time that we need to come together. We need to restore humanity. Yep. We need to have love for one another. And we need to really have a positive outlook on life because things around us are getting chaotic. We got COVID-19. Mm-hmm. We got racism that's alive and well. Yeah. We still have disparities that have existed in our communities for generations. Yeah. And we have so many things going on still, right? We need to come together. We need to have peace. We need to restore love, yep. justice, freedom for all of our people, right? That's and but you know, like you said earlier, all lives can't matter until Black lives matter because right. it's not just the police killing us, but we got gun violence everywhere. We got the highest rates for cardiovascular disease. Uh, I mean, the graduation rates are horrendous for folks who look like us. Community violence. Th- everywhere we're experiencing 
the short end of the stick. Mm -hmm. And this is the ADOS podcast, and we have to talk about that. We Mm -hmm. have to talk about that. I mean, the unaddressed mental health issues. So I really just hope that we all continue to pray, that we continue all to try to love on one another, and we try to be as peaceful as possible, you guys. (laughs) 